Hey guys, and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh Fitness Podcast. So we are at Coach's Corner, volume 11. So thank you so much for all the feedback on regarding the episode with Jane. Thank you so much for all the feedback with the one with Lara Bryden as well. I think some of the topics that we're going to talk about today are kind of elements of what we spoke about with Lara and also different topics as well. And then you guys would have just heard Jordan Syatt's episode as well. So I cannot wait for... The, the feedback and the correspondence on that but mr dallas how are we sir game right good there's sun out how can you not enjoy when there's sun out i'm just glad you put a t-shirt on ah, i should have kept it up to be honest yeah really boost my mojo yeah i think i think the time i think you're studying too hard because i think you need to do the to do the top to, to the time the top up says me he's like cast with a friendly ghost over here fairness i think the worst part about my tan is that i always have like this uh, like farmer's tan that is perpetually there even oh, really? when, like i was in thailand and like i was hiking and everything on the top off and at the end of the day my arms were worse and i was like oh my god i was like this needs to be sorted no no i think i have i thought because there's pictures of that i have pictures from like doing the the kind of the hikes and stuff and brown from like elbow down and then up here it's just pale pale white it's like yeah um but i think the the topics that today are going to be kind of like kind of broad enough range and i know and also go off on tangents uh but so these these questions came in from you guys over the weekend and one of them was kind of like mood swings and perimenopause the other one was advice for those with lots of weight to lose which will be interesting and how to go about it do you need to eat two and a half thousand calories for hypothetic amenorrhea or hj recovery and other one is how to deal with friends that always talk about their weight, weight loss, uh, or diets. And the last one, which I'm looking forward to rants for Mr. Dallas, is massage guns. So Dallas is biting his tongue uh, as usual. So I think where we will start is in, in, in relation to kind of the advice for those with lots of weight to lose uh, and how to go about and where to start. And I think... I'm going to let you take the, the first little lead on this bit and see what your your big thing on this is and see where you go with it. And then I'll try and rein you back in if I can. Uh, okay, so where to start when there's a lot of weight to lose? Uh, one of the first things I am always want anyone to come to terms with is it didn't take you a day to get any form of weight put on. It was a succession, it was a compounding effect that has taken a while. And everyone wants a quick fix like oh no look i've got well, how many ever numbers of kilos or whatever that number is in your head that you believe you need to lose it's the belief that it needs to come off as quick as possible so it's like address that first and go like right there is a whole bunch of things that i need to change start off easy address the mindset and then look at small little changes you can do every day we talk about the non-negotiables we talk about the wins every day but it's more of an aspect of sort the mindset and bring in some self-compassion and then start your diet start off with something simple increase your protein get a little bit of walks in the day and kind of work on some of those habits everyone wants to kind of dive into a low calorie diet so they can lose as much weight as quick as possible and there are times there are times where that is a legitimate way of going but if you've spent the last 10 20 years with some crazy ass food habits 
it's probably not a good idea to jump into the deep end and go, right, I am going to rip everything apart. I'm going to change every aspect of my life. And that stress that builds up ends up showing in so many other places. And then you just got to kind of pull back a bit and just be like, right, take it step by step. Relax, calm down, let's go. And then you start seeing some weight loss going. And as that weight loss and as you get more confident in yourself, you start noticing you can do these things. But a lot of people end up starving where it's like, I would do one of a low calorie diet. I want to push to these ranges where I'm not sustainable. And I think it's always trying to rein people back from that in the beginning. It's like sort the, sort the unsexy things out first. Um, and that's always an always a aspect I take with the, every single client, whether they've got a lot of weight to you lose or not. Sort their headspace out first. And you'd be surprised how much easier the journey becomes. Yeah, I think that is a massive thing. I think, I think what one thing that kind of comes in from clients on their weekly check-ins as one that, particularly one of the girls that came in over the weekend was like she had she had had um, a lot of she had coaches before and they put mm. her on very low calorie diets. They put her on keto, and keto is one of those diets that was created for epileptic children. And it, it, it can be beneficial for some. It can, some people can feel better off keto. That's that's not it. That's not. I'm not arguing that at all. But for the vast majority of people, they shouldn't go near it because their eating behaviors, eating habits are not there uh, to kind of have it as a long-term strategy. But one of the things, so she was like, well, I've created having more, I'm eating more regularly. I'm having mm. more vegetables. So I'm getting more volume into my stomach. So I feel fuller. My sleep is better. My stress mm. is better. And she's probably eating about consistently around 17 or 1800 calories now. So over double what she was eating consistently, yet she has probably lost about eight or nine kilos at this stage. Yeah. People will get confused now in what I've just said in that how can, yeah. how can that be possible? She lost weight at 800 calories. I'm not suggesting she didn't lose weight, but what I'm saying is she put the weight back on because it was a fucking idiot approach from the coach. Yeah. It was a retired approach. Anyone will lose weight off 800 calories. But most people, when they go for the 800, 1200 calories is, right, that's whatever number, I'm not very good at maths, 9,400 or something for the week. Yeah. Um, but if you can sit and then, but what happens most of the time is you've 1200 calories Monday to Wednesday, and then it's like 3000 calories for the rest of the week each day. Why not consistently eat 17, 16, 1500? 1500s the lowest I will ever bring a client to. Yeah. I will not go any lower. Um, and even then I, I still feel like that's too little. Oh, yeah. And like it, it really does come into the, the whole realm of that. It's where like the low calories is all well and good, you know, for actual certain situations. You know, we have like the NSH very low calorie diet, which is 800 calories for six weeks. I mean, these people are in terms of metabolic syndromes. They're in the high category of like you don't have a lot of time left if you follow the regimes of life that you are doing. It's like, this is a serious health problem. And that's when that is under supervision and they go through a lot of effort just to do it. And then they've got to push them back to normal calories after those six weeks because the body is going to need some form of energy. It's the idea that 800 calories is going to suffice till summer. I mean, well, we've got, depending on when you want to say summer is, that's say what, two and a half months. So what, 60-ish days at 800 calories? Yeah not ha not gonna happen because like as you said like wednesday thursday friday you're gonna end up binging 
And that's the reason why 800 calories, 1,000 calories, 1,200 annual low-calorie diets are not sufficient or shouldn't be some of the first protocols just for you losing weight. I think it's also important to differentiate between what is a lot of weight to lose because that can be subjective. Some people might psychologically think that they have a lot of weight to lose. So when we're talking about a lot of weight to lose, it is someone who is potentially at a BMI higher scale of compared to like the obesity category two. BMI isn't the most accurate representation for that element or for, for some people with the weight on them. Because if you look at it, the rock would be obesity type two. And the last, time, the last time I checked, he's not, uh, he's not quite, uh, he has muscle on him. He's jacked. Yeah. Uh, so that's why it's not the most accurate representation when it comes into like someone who has an awful lot of or not very like not an awful lot of lean body mass and more kind of like soft tissue and a mm. little bit more fat on them or a lot more fat on them that's generally what i'm talking about and what i don't want people to do right now is start poking and pinching their stomachs and all this kind of stuff saying oh i've got loads of weight to lose if i'm sitting here right now i can find fat on me if i want it that's oh, ult- damn right. You should be. That's the yeah. whole point of having a human body. It, it's like, yeah, fat- fat's not a bad thing. <laughs> oh, like if you look at it from an, like an evolutionary perspective, right? We have grown or we have evolved from roaming the earth trying to survive. If we could not store fat, we would have been dead in like we ain't surviving. So it's like, the body has evolved to have these mechanisms to keep us there. It's also evolved to ensure that having a certain amount of fat in the body actually allows the body to function correctly. So it's like we often see that when you watch people go to these sub 10% and then they start pushing past the 8% body fat for male, for women, it's past the 18%. You start noticing body shutting down certain areas because it doesn't have the fat. It doesn't have the energy to do what it needs to do. So it's like, get over this whole, oh my God, you know, I don't look like a freaking prune walking around every day. I'm like, you shouldn't. Yeah, I think like, I'm reluctant to put like a body fat percentage on what overweight is or an actual X amount of stone or kilos or pounds, or whatever it may be. If someone is severely overweight and they are happy in their skin, that's all credit to them because a lot of people all shapes and sizes are not. So massive credit to you. If it's coming from an element of where you've consistently yo-yo diet and you are carrying excess weight and you're not necessarily happy with it. And I'm not, this is this question, I don't think it's aimed at someone who has potentially got five, six kg, seven kg, 10 kg to lose. The same principles apply, but this question isn't aimed towards those. It is getting your mental health your mental aspects, because if you're, if you think about it, if you're starting off a weight loss journey, it's like you need to build the foundations on solid foundations, which is your sleep, your stress management, not believing your own bullshit. Because if you're thinking life will go in a straight line, you're lying to yourself. And then the guilt trap comes in, which is not managing up to your expectations, which is perfect. And that's where the guilt trap comes in. And that's where people throw out the, the toys out of the pram and give up no matter what angle to try to do whether it's work whether it's family relationships diet football whatever it may be that's where things get difficult things will go difficult you need to have other metrics in place you can't all be about the scales can't always be about measurements 
energy levels, libido, have you got your cycle? Uh, have you got a uh, higher sex drive for lads or women? Are you having more sex in general? Are you having sex with the lights on? Are you feeling better in your clothes? Are you pushing better in training sessions? Are you getting fitter? Like one of my girls who's been on the podcast, Cassandra, has literally signed up for a full marathon for charity. And she signed up with me in, she's been with me eight months now, nine months. The lady has lost, I don't know, 45 kilos, 45 pounds. Sorry, 45 pounds. Um, but that was a big, there's a massive difference between the two of us. Um, but the thing, but the, what we've had to do in the meantime is trying to create a routine for her around her kids and her family, mm. breaking it into smaller stages. And then eventually she was like, I want to, this is my next chapter. And mm. that's amazing what she's going to do. Yeah. But, you, but we've had to build in the slower stuff, the unsexy stuff. And a lot of people don't want to do the sexy stuff. A lot of people get caught up in their own bullshit. Oh, yeah. Like, like even coming into that, it's the question I think some people should definitely ask, or everyone in a sense, who runs your life? <laughs> like, answer that question. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, of course I run my life. It's like, are you sure about that? It's like social media, what other people think of you, comparing yourself to other people. Oh, what about like your family? Oh, I'm always looking out for my kids, which is a good thing. But you have to also come from a point of view of selfishness in the sense that you need to look after yourself and who runs these things. It's like who is actually in control of your life? Is it everybody else? And you're just floating by, complaining about everything and not working? Or are you going to address the actual thing here that it's you who have made these choices, who have allowed these things to occur? No one else. They can't force their way into your life. They can't force their ideas into it. You have to choose it. You have to accept it. So it's like the unsexy is something that everybody should work on. I think there's a massive reliance on willpower and motivation to bring someone to the destination. And when I hear those two buzzwords, it drives me scat. And someone asked me recently, what, like, what is the op? Like, what's to say if you're out for a meal and things are opening back up in the UK and hopefully things will open back up here in the next kind of couple of weeks or a couple of months or whatever it may be. But I got asked the question, like, what is the opposite of willpower? And I was like, self-control. And I was, the, the answer was not very well received. Um, but I think when we hear self-control, it's like, is it, be, it could be perceived as being selfish. It could be fear of missing out. It's caring what other people think. And that's what you're talking about. Mm. You can't live your life by what other people are trying to do. You can't people please everyone. You have to be, sometimes selfish is a good thing. And it's okay to be, different and embrace your difference in what you want to do live by what you want to do live by the values that you want to to kind of latch on to because ultimately if you're say laying on your deathbed whatever that whenever that is and you're looking back and you we probably would say to yourself why did i care care about when what other people thought so much and why didn't i do what i wanted to do so the one thing that i the, the sentence that i wake up to is like what can i do today to win the day that's the one sentence I wake to up to every day. Is like, what can I do today to win the day? It doesn't matter if it's getting one liter of water in or two liters of water in or whatever it may be. My thing at the minute, because it's got a little bit warmer, is going out for the walk and getting a coffee. That's my first thing. So before my phone gets answered or phone gets touched, it's go listen to an audiobook, learn something, and mix and match the two that I the two things that are three things. So it's three three boxes tick straight away. Mm. Ask yourself that sentence. When you're in the shit headspace, we all get these moods and COVID fatigue is definitely hitting a lot of people at the minute. And if you've got kids and stuff, things can be stressful. 
But if you potentially have fried stuck to your three regular meals or whatever regular meals it is, pausing in the evenings and saying, is it head hunger or tummy hunger? Mm. Starting doing potentially a food diary and kind of recognizing the emotions behind what you're doing. No, oh, yeah. because the food isn't going to solve an emotion. Oh, amount of people that wish they would. But I think Astrid, Astrid spoke about it and she's, mm. she mentioned that like food has never solved the emotion before. My food has never, never solved it for you before. It's not going to start doing it over. And I, I would highly encourage you, if you are struggling with that element of things, go and talk to someone. Yeah. But if we have to set expectations for yourself, and that's the hardest part. It's like, well, I want to lose two pounds a week. But you have to ask yourself, can you do what you're looking to do yep. six months, 12 months, 18 months from now? And I don't mean be on a diet for that long term. Can you do what you want to do for the next 12, 16, 18 months? and live the life that you want to do, not by what everyone else wants to do. I think that leads in with the next question is how to deal with friends that always kind of talk about weight loss diets and kind of body shaming and all that kind of stuff, because that kind of latch can kind of get caught into it with who you surround yourself with. Oh yeah. But I think it's also picking and choosing. I think that's the biggest thing. It's also setting the boundaries that like, I know I kind of semi ranted on about it at the end of the podcast, (laughs) It's in it. Yeah, well, apologies, everyone. But it, it's an important aspect that we don't have. Um, it's like a lot of times we want to make changes for ourselves. We want to put ourselves in a different position. And the words that are used are very influential in what happens. How might, we've known this for many years now. Went like some of the first psychology experiments have gone into realizing the, some of the things we say and what it actually predicts in future time. It's like that self-talk aspect. But it's coming down to that we need a boundary with this person that we're actually communicating with. So whether it's a friend, family, whatever it is, and it's like, right, I am making changes. There are certain things I am not going to do. And I like that you would love to engage with this. But if I engage in this, it puts me down a negative path. So I would like it that if we don't talk about some of these things, you are going to get pushback. It is going to feel uncomfortable. You are going to get this like, oh, no, I should just do what they want. And then you're going to realize, what is it that you want and what is it that you need? And choose the path that leads you to that position. And that's where that kind of boundary, where that essentially you're putting a position where they know where you stand, you know where you stand, and then you guys can carry on. But we're a little bit too scared to have this tough conversation with some of the closest people in us because we're like, oh, they're not going to like us anymore. It's like, what? It's like, over a conversation of making you a better person, you sorting yourself out to make your life better, someone is not going to just give up on you. And if they were willing to do that, you better question that person. I think it's also, particularly if it's, because I think it's ingrained in us as a society that like we get validation from our parents because they're the, mm-hmm. they're the, they're the, they're the people that bring us into this world or whatever, maybe. And if you haven't necessarily got that support it's it can be very very difficult that someone potentially they have struggled with their weight before they potentially you are sitting in the living room and you're potentially having the approach of right i'm having my ice cream or having my chocolate in the evening because i want to have it mm-hmm. um and they come like we'll stop eating that beside me uh because i'm trying to be so-called good in inverted commas <laughs> and that like and that that can that can cause a hostility in, in the environment that you're in that can cause us if you're living with your parents and that could be a hostility or your housemates or whatever it may be but you have to look back and say right that person could be hurting 
that could per, person could be not comfortable with their own position. That person could be struggling with what their own environment may be creating. And that's not a projection onto you. That's their own security in their, their own insecurities being projected onto you. Mm-hmm. They're not going to change their reaction and nor should they until they deal with their stuff. You have to look internally and say, right, what can I do for me? And, and kind of take yourself out of the situation. Potentially you could have your ice cream or whatever it is into the, into the kitchen or where it is, but don't go into your bedroom and that's where secret eating can kind of come into it. You also need to look at if you're out with friends and they're making comments on people's weights or people's bodies or whatever it may be, they're projecting their own insecurities onto them, onto that person. Mm-hmm. They're not happy with their body. So, so if you can kind of subconsciously and kind of like if someone's kind of walking around and they're always making comments on their own bodies and then you know that they're doing it to other people's bodies, that's a de- definitive sign that that person isn't happy with how they look or feel. Yeah. There's always going to be some part of our bodies that we may not like. There's always going to be some element that we could think that we could improve, but you also have to look at embrace your uniqueness, have that self-compassion and bring that back in. Mm. Like if we were all the same and built the same and looked the same, it would be boring as fuck. Well, technically we would actually cease to survive as a, exactly. as a species. Like I, I don't think people can understand the genetic side of things. Like, like the selecting for variants as time goes on, which I think a lot of people should actually spend a bit of time going through genetics, but the variance is ensuring that survival occurs and that variance of all these differences ensure that we can effectively get up, get offspring. That's the fundamental principle of humanity in a sense. But like, as you were speaking about there with friends saying things about other people about themselves, one thing that a lot of people are not willing to do with their friends is call them out on the bullshit. And they're like, hold on a second here have these difficult conversations with your friends go down these difficult paths with your friends and family and people like no i want to shy away from it because it's uncomfortable it's like yeah but doing so not only allows two people to come together but also allows growth not only from you but from them a lot of these times people have preconceived notions that go unchecked and rule a lot of their lives until someone comes in and goes like hold on a second here, what is this? Like, why are you doing this? And the person has to justify what they're doing. And then that moment of reflection disrupts a cycle. And then the person's like, actually, hold on. I have actually been, you know, quite mean to myself. I've been berating myself, but then also put that onto other people. You've come into a situation that's allowed two people to grow, but we're often, yeah, that's just the way they are. I'll let them be, I'll let them be. And then you're like, Okay, 20 years down the line, your best friend is one of the probably the biggest people that puts you down. I'm like, great. How is that anyway a good thing? That's kind of like an element of like, what if they leave? What if they don't like me? What if they do X, Y, and Z? But what if you don't live the life that you want to live? Yeah, and like seven, eight billion people on the planet. Sorry, um, there's, more, there's more people to get to know. There's, there's so more opinions. Many- not everyone's going to agree with you. There's, there's eight, 8 billion opinions out there that not everyone's going to agree with what you want to do. And that's a massive element. And that I think when you, it doesn't matter what stage of the journey you're at, there's always going to be someone that will make a passive comment, or there'll be always someone that will make a comment. Uh, and particularly when people kind of go, if people are kind of, when things open back up, they kind of go back home to say, get the, the mommy made dinners or whatever it may be. And they struggle when, the country dinners in particular, like they're like meat, steak, spuds, the veg, whatever it may be, but it's the portion control, the portion size, and people struggle with it. 
yeah. oh. uh, about how to say no to those environments. So you're like, you don't have to say no if you don't want to. But if you say no or kind of say, well, just let them put the stuff on the place. And don't finish it. Exactly. But people, and, and, that, and they may make a comment. They may feel hurt. But they, you have to ask yourself, right, what am I doing? What, what are you doing for you? If you don't want to have it, if you want to have it, have it. But don't create this this story or this narrative in your head like, oh, they won't like me. If, if your mother, own mother doesn't like you because of that, I'd get a new mother. <laughs> yeah, literally go like, right, I'm going to go back. Go on back. eBay. <laughs> oh, like, honestly, it happens all the time. And it's like, I understand, like put it from another um, aspect where people make food and they don't want to waste food. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's like, so why the hell are you making so much food in the first place? Well, and then you get the, but I wanted food. I went, yeah, I get that. But if clearly, you know, you eat a certain size portion, why are you making enough for an army? Oh, that's because I've always done it that way. And I'm like, well, it's time to change. I went, you're either going to eat it or you can throw it away. So it's like, if you don't want to throw it away because you're like, food is a precious commodity, well, then make less of it. I think the perfect example would be the Easter eggs. That was recently happening with the, the kind of like working with clients on the uh, the Easter egg situation. And it's like, a, it's about controlling the environment. Like I'm 100% all for having the chocolate, having your Easter eggs. If you're having it in controls and you feel good about it and all that kind of stuff. But if you're feeling the guilty because you haven't matched your expectations and you mm-hmm. press the fuck up button, that's where things can kind of come a little bit blurred. But if you're afterwards and there's still Easter eggs lying around the house and you find yourself aimlessly eating it, there's a couple of tactics, tactics that you could bring in, which would be the element of, is it head hunger? Is it tummy hunger? So head hunger, is it an emotion or is it a craving? Deal with it, wait 20 minutes, potentially go for a walk before it and come back for it. Is Are you making up an excuse that, oh, the kids will give out to me if I throw it out? <laughs> and I'm just like... No. Fair enough. The kids, the kids will want the kids will want the the Easter eggs and stuff like that. But potentially, what you are doing in relation to how you are planning out your week or whatever you are, and what am I trying to say? If you are um, saying, "Right, I'm only going to have a little bit each day," mm. they'll pick up on that rather than trying to like, "I'm going to, I have to eat three Easter eggs in one day." Don't necessarily have, like if you want to have it, have it. But it's depending on how you're feeling afterwards. If you're feeling mm. shit, like if you're spotting a trend each Easter and having three Easter eggs and feeling like shit afterwards and you're doing the same repetitive thing, potentially there's something in there. Oh, yeah. But I would I, I would try to have a little bit often. I still have my Easter eggs downstairs. And it's cra- self-control. But it's also understanding the big picture. But this is the whole aspect. But self-control could be perceived as restrictive for some people. Oh. That's that that and that's what that like you think control control can mean restrict in some people's minds and that's unfortunate when the, the language is used. Yes. Some people can misconstrue it and put this negative connotation towards it. But that actually comes into a very interesting topic from one of the clients. When can I eat anything and everything I want? Yeah. Are you asking this question or are you yeah. asking more yeah, for? Yeah, like, no, like quite a client goes to you when can i eat anything and everything that i truly want to eat when i'm finished this diet when does that end up happening well it shouldn't feel like a diet if you're working with us but then it also and there we go and that also comes down to and then i question the aspect of why do you want to eat everything and anything because these two words mean that there is essentially no end to your eating 
And it's like, because I can. What? But I can also play in the traffic. Exactly. So it's trying to understand that when we say self-control, we're not saying restriction, but it's because you chose to see it in a way of looking at it and, oh, I'm just restricting. There is going to be compromise in every aspect of life, period. And you have to understand there are certain things that habits that have built up along the time, you are not going to be able to go back and do these things, especially for someone who was, um, as we were talking earlier, quite a bit overweight and wanted to lose weight. Their eating habits at that time cannot be brought into the new weight when they get there no. because there's quite a disassociation or there's, there's a difference in the amount of calories being consumed. There's a difference in the habits where people don't want to let go of the past. It's like, but I felt so great consuming 20 Easter eggs and 20 bottles of wine in a week. But I think it's also an aspect of whether like you can still have the same foods. It's just the quantity of those foods is the difference. So when people are saying, oh, I can't drink, I can't uh, have Easter eggs, I can't have crisps, I can't have ice cream. You're like, you can, but it's about the dangers in the dose. And that's where the difference is, is what Dallas is trying to say, I think. Exactly. Uh, just getting a little bit heated about like... Yeah, I was like, I could see that. I could see the, the, the eyes. Yeah, I was just like, I need to, need to breathe, go back to my meditative states. And I think when people start making comment over what you eat, uh, you have to look at, one, would you probably saw places with them? Two, are their genetics are, are, are very different? Because I know um, some people can have a faster metabolism, that they could be quite lean all year round and all that kind of stuff. And it's important to say to yourself, well, that's, that's, that's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, some people have to be a little bit more cautious in how they eat and all that kind of stuff but that doesn't mean that you can't live the life that you want to do you can still have your ice cream it's about like i think what a lot of people struggle with is monday to thursday and then the weekends are different so like the banking and the calories thing keeps coming back in and i'm just like if you haven't if you struggled with your diet before i would not advise it if you have a decent relationship with food and yourself well then it could be an option but it depends on the actual person if you're going from salad susan on monday to thursday and then friday and saturday and sunday you're literally blah you're gonna overspend you're gonna blow it you're gonna feel like shit on monday that's where things can happen and that's where things occur and that's where the whole thing of well i was out with my friends so i i felt guilty that i couldn't have this and this and like you can have it but the only difference between you having say seven pieces of bread and three pieces of bread is how you feel afterwards and the amount of calories you've consumed so i think that's when that clicks for a lot of the clients that has clicked for a lot of the clients very recently um, is in relation to that aspect of it's, it's, it is the dosage. You yeah. can still have the bread. There's nothing wrong with bread. There's nothing wrong with carbs. There's nothing wrong with any of the foods. It's our relationship with ourselves that we put onto the food and that comes back at us and reflects back. Same thing with the people. The people are reflecting their insecurities onto us. So then we take it as a, a personal thing. And then the, it's just this vicious circle. Not everyone has to agree with what you want to do. Not everyone has to be on board with what you want to do. If you've struggled with your diet for a very long time and you failed a lot of diets and your kids are kind of saying to you, oh, mom's on this diet or dad's on this diet again, whatever it may be, they are going to latch onto that. They are going to associate a parent with the diet. 
yeah. or, or dieting. And that's not an amazing relationship that they're going to grow up with. So potentially if you're in that space or in that headspace or in that environment, potentially going to talk to someone, going to work with someone could be the difference for you on that whole psychological aspect of why we value what other people are doing, why we value what others say about it. We all have this kind of um, thing in our minds of that we need to be accepted by other people, 100%. We all do it. We also have this fear of failing, which also kind of gets created as well. But we can't be accepted by everyone. We just can't. There is some point in your mind that you're kind of like, I have to live my life by my values. It's the same thing with like the, I always compare it back to like the the business stuff and the podcast stuff in relation to when you make the shift or something clicks in your head that you're not making the content or you're not making the stuff out for PTs. Ultimately, they're not going to be the ones that are going to buy the stuff off you. That becomes a relief. Stop trying to impress people that you actually don't value their opinion. Oh yeah. But it's just because that's how we've, grown up as a society it's how we teach kids like even as you were saying like the environment is a big thing and you know you know i love bringing in like you know nature nurture the environment really does matter um but even for one of the girls um she's recently taken on more veg and taking eating more fruits and everything and i'm like i like you eating pizza go for it enjoy it but i want to see a little bit more veg and everything she's like i noticed my kids are eating more fruit now and it's not like i've done anything it's just i've had a day and i was like yeah. And that, that's the difference. You've changed the environment and given them the ability to access it. They've seen what you do. They take from you in, or take in terms of they learn from you. And because of that, their own abilities will change over time. Where if you had kept it to the previous environment, you would have seen a different outcome. And I was like, and it only took two weeks. I'm like, yeah. And I think if you notice when you're a teenager growing up, you'll eat whatever's in the house doesn't matter what it is so yes especially like lads are horrific for it um one o'clock in the morning coming down taking that fish shoving it into the teller jar pulling it out and going oh i'm gonna lick this and finish the jar that was me but i think they'll eat whatever's there so if you're creating the environment that they're eating decent wholesome foods majority of the time obviously we're having some chocolate but the comes back to the the easter eggs thing is you can't blame the kids for leaving the easter eggs in the house yeah you have to control your environment oh they'll go nuts they'll only go nuts if you restrict them they'll only go nuts if you are restricting yourself because your mood your perception of what they're saying can you read their minds no it's too tiring trying to read people's minds so as soon as you stop that bloody story of what other people think you can't read their minds so let's drop that story yeah. And I think I think the whole thing of cool story, bro, keeps coming back in. Control the environment, control your triggers. Yep. Do what you want to do for yourself. Try to kind of, if you're with your best friends or whatever, potentially say to them that you're going on a diet or you're doing this, what the reason for it is. Mm. Some will support, but you don't need support from everyone. Support with the people that you actually value their opinion of. We, we kind of look for these validations. We look for these endorphin hits and dopamine hits of kind of getting reward and validation of comments. But comments can also be construed as negative that someone potentially has gone through a stress or a trauma or whatever and they may have lost an awful lot of weight. That's what happened to me. So, and that's when I started getting lots of comments. Oh, you look really well. I'm like, I feel like shit internally. So it's yeah. also being careful of what 
what comments are being made. Mm. Um, and that's a big thing as well. And I think that kind of comes in with the, the element of, is there anything else you want to add on to that or? No, look, I think like you, look, you summed it up. It's like the danger in the dose. Um, it's looking at and bringing self-accountability to yourself and understand the path you choose is going to define a lot of the outcomes and like realize that the environment plays a big role. And I think once you can look at some of these aspects and start seeing them, you start recognizing, wow, there's a lot that truly you can change and there's a lot that you can actually empower yourself to do. But you have to take that step back and go, right, where does a boundary need to be, you know? How do I need to look at this? What can I do for me? Do I have to care about other people? Yes, I do need to care about other people, but do I need to care about what everyone else thinks? No. And then from that position, things start moving forward. And then there's always going to be someone saying, yeah, but it's easier said than done. Like with most things in life, you need to put some work into it. Yeah, and I think that that's the base. Uh, that is a huge element that I don't think a lot of people want to do and are not prepared to do. And when people hear work, they think hustle. They think that they need to go like hell for leather. That's not what it is. It's doing work on the on the headspace side of things. Once the headspace clicks for you, you won't look back. And sometimes it will get uncomfortable. Sometimes it will get bite back. Sometimes you won't want to do it. But if you blame motivation and willpower over and over again, it's uh, you're you're not going to go anywhere. Like there's days I don't want to do anything, yep. generally. And but I'm kind of like, well, I'm going to go for a walk. I've won the day. Um, there's a dedication to the calls though it's an understanding of where you're going and going i'm showing up for myself yeah it comes back to the five whys so if you guys haven't listened to five whys episode with astrid or there's another episode of five whys in it um actually ask yourself what your proper why is because soon people will lose their the why quite quickly if they see success quite quickly and then one thing one thing kind of goes off a little bit track the why gets thrown out the window and it, it, so potentially having the why somewhere saved on your phone or on a fridge or on a press or whatever and having that stored somewhere so you can see it and has have it as a metric or kind of like as a note for yourself could be very, very useful for someone. Um, it could be a photo. It could be a sentence. It could be some people use it as fuel. Some people use comments as fuel. Some people will latch on to comments and get very upset by them. But if, if someone called you a purple monkey dishwasher, you would be like, what are you talking about? But you have to ask yourself, why have you got emotionally attached to that sentence or that statement? Mm. Is it something of an insecurity that you have yourself? Or is it something that, something that they have insecure about themselves, the person who's made the comment? Um, and then the next, I'm going to I'm gonna let you go off on your rant here. Uh-oh, what am I ranting on? <laughs> Massage guns. Oh. Right, okay. Let's take it simple. Recovery is the premise of why the, uh, the massage gun is there, right? The whole idea that you can vibrate your legs to a better conundrum or better, better well-being and vibrate your body to everything is aligned within you. Yeah, cool. Uh, I get what you're trying to say here, but it's putting the horse before the cart and then going, all right, all the cart before the horse, sorry. I'm like, it's like what, yeah, what the horse, horse have you got? Yeah, the horse meant to be there. Um, the cart before the horse. It's like, if you haven't spent time working on your recovery, why are you spending three, four hundred of your hard-earned money on a gun that literally you could have just gone and sit on the top of a washing machine on a heavy spin cycle? It's like, what are you Some doing? people like that. That is very true. 
but it comes down to recovery, right? So when you're looking at recovery, you want to look at like sleep. You want to look at in terms of libido, in terms of how aching you feel, in terms of how much energy you have. Can you recover from the stimuluses that are placed upon you, right? So it's like if you haven't ensured that your recovery is on point, bringing a gun into this aspect or massage gun, not just a gun, um, is not going to do much for you neurologically you're going to get a, a little bit of a hit but I mean, you still haven't changed much of the equation you still haven't addressed what is at play so it's like if your training your life your everything is making sure that you're under recovering you need to address that first then once you've addressed all those aspects then can you start looking to bring in something like massage gun or getting massage so that's what you've officially fixed the issues at play, and then you brought something into a handstand recovery, trying to bring something that has like a 1% um, ability to change something is kind of pointless when you can address your sleep, which is has 100% of your recovery capabilities. It's like the, the craziest thing, but people love it because, hey, this important person on Instagram is using it and they're like vibrations and they say vibrations work. So I'll take this vibration. It's like, no, sort the things out that need to be worked out first. Yeah. And I think people forget like the likes of say physio or the, like, the likes of yoga and stuff to kind of do some stretches, particularly if it's kind of like the posterior chain, your hamstrings, or your glutes and stuff aren't activating. And if you're training four or five times a week and your hamstrings aren't recovering properly and you're feeling tired and tight all the time potentially there's a sign but this gun of this massage gun should we say is not going to it's not going to be the pyramid to build it on exactly like like put it this way i've got a sleep ring on so i've got my aura ring on right so when i originally got my aura ring i was had absolutely appalling sleep right so like Shane's busy nodding his head. Like I would not sleep properly through the night. I would be up six to seven times in the night and only get about three to four hours not sleep. Wake up early, go to the gym, train clients, and only get home, redo study, get client programs sorted, and just rinse, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. I went absolutely abysmal. So what happened is I bought the ring as a way to go, right, where are things happening in my sleep so I can work on? So I could see the amount of time I was awake, right? So I was like, okay, so these are the times awake. What is occurring at this time? And start plotting a way back so I can start fixing the sleep. It wasn't the ring making the change. It just gave me a data point that I can go, right, if I'm not falling asleep within 10 minutes, my late latency to sleep is a problem. If I'm waking up five minutes after falling asleep, there's probably an air problem. So it's like using that to fix the recovery. And then only after all that has fixed, has the ring now become a point where it helps me ensure I'm doing what is necessary to increase recovery. So it's like I had to look at everything before I could go, hey, look, now the ring can do what it's meant to be doing. And it's the same thing with massage gun. You need to look at everything before you get there. It's no point in looking at the 1% or the 1% when everything below that is going to be doing the biggest thing. Think of it as a pyramid. I think with the massage gun, sometimes it's not actually buying more. Sometimes it's actually doing less, oh, which yeah. could be the, 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 the biggest factor. Um, and that links in with the next question, uh, which is HA. Um, so one of, the, the, one of the most common questions that kind of comes in through emails, through DMs, 
is in relation to hypothetic amenorrhea and do you need to eat two and a half thousand calories for HA recovery? And some people want to know, some women want to know what to eat for HA, how much to eat for HA, what you need to eat, how much to eat, when to eat. And I think it's important to say what actually is HA. So HA is having no cycle for six months. Um, And for some, it can be due to overtraining. Some, it can be due to potentially links in with kind of like PCOS and getting hormones checked. Some, it can be linked in with potentially having restricted eating patterns for a very long time. If you have had restricted eating patterns for a very long time, please go and talk to a professional to work with that on. I would always recommend someone to go and get a full screen of hormones to see if there's everything is okay. So make sure you're getting all the basics done. What would you recommend for them in the terms of screening? What test would you recommend? Oh, you put me on the spot. Uh, FSH, ferritin, LH, uh, prolactin, and there's a few other ones. Um, I'm definitely missing two key ones, and it's wrecking my head. And uh, if a person gets a Dutch test, would that be sufficient enough? Dutch tests, it can be very beneficial, but you also have to go to, a, like, it, it can be a private healthcare thing. So you have to make sure that you are prepared to pay for a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have substantial PCOS symptoms and stuff, um, like ovaries and stuff, ultrasounds may not be the most accurate. They may miss certain things on it. Dutch tests could be the most beneficial one. Uh, but the biggest thing that if the doctor or the, med- the medical professional tells you to, to go on the pill, uh, punch them in the face um with the ultrasound and at the massage gun and then run away uh no seriously because i una was on um and she mm. was advised that there's about three or four of the ladies that emailed me or dm me in the last week mm. saying that their doctor told them to go on it's like no that's putting a band-aid over the problem yeah that is not solving the problem at all i think there's a few i've got maybe like seven points i think with supplementation mm. the two supplements that is kind of like the most research is vitex Mm. can help uh one of the kind of go-to ones is kind of like for me anyway is myo and acetal mm. um don't get decairo decairo is like putting um lead or petrol in, uh, into a diesel car uh so get myo uh, and then you also have to look at your stress management oh. because what's happened for a lot of people recently with covid fatigue stress management has been a huge part some people when they think stress it's like oh i need to be this big bundle of stress that's not what it is your body has a funny way of telling you if your cycle is early or late or has spotting, there is a sign of something is not going right. If you haven't got a cycle, something is happening. So if it potentially you haven't lowered your calories, if you haven't, uh, if you've kind of potentially failed a pregnancy test or whatever it may be, an element of it could be stress. If you wake up in the morning and the first thing you're doing is looking at your phone, going straight into work and you're working really hard or trying to train on top of that and all that kind of stuff, there's extra stress. So you need to look at and say, and be in tune with what, what has changed in the last two, three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, look back. Uh, but I think the first and foremost thing is that people need to eat, mm. need to eat. Because normally the kind of the culture that we live in is eat less, exercise more, which is mm. not helpful and not conducive. And it breaks my heart when I hear people say that. The problem is that people have followed that for very long. It's hard to reverse it. And some of the things that you kind of, kind of bring in is like you need to accept your uh body as an animal and as an organism and you need to accept it that it's 
at the size, let it be the size and shape that it actually wants to be. Yeah. Try not to restrict or binge or whatever it may be in order to be a certain size, to be a certain size to someone else, to live up to what media expectations to. It's about appreciating your body for what it does, not for what it looks like. Mm. Uh, I know this is very hard to shift and I'll never understand it from a psychological point of view. Um, but you have to nourish yourself. And some of the specifics I kind of, kind of talk about are kind of like eat a little bit more. Mm. Um, the amount I would kind of aim for, like, normally I don't get my girls who with HA to count calories because if they, some of them have come from restrictive backgrounds, so counting calories may not be beneficial. Yeah. If you are counting calories, potentially looking at it, it's girl dependent, potentially looking around the 2000 calorie mark. Um, normally a sweet point for some people is around 2300 calorie mark but I generally don't get my girls to track their calories mm. uh, because it's important for people to get into the habit of having a little bit more keeping more frequent meals getting into a, a mindset of kind of getting a little bit more in tune with kind of having more meals mm-hmm. um, important to kind of don't go hungry eat when you're actually hungry whenever your body is detecting hormones the hormones may go out of sync you may be like what the hell's going on it, you may just need to eat a little bit more and that's okay. Don't go, don't stop eating until you're feeling decently full and feeling well nourished. You may need to kind of, it's easier said than done getting away from the restriction model that has potentially got to where you are. Mm. But if you're aiming for say, rather than having three main meals, it could be four or five or six meals in order to get to where you want to go. Yeah. Potentially bringing in the likes of, more carbohydrates. Carbohydrates are key. That's what Lara Bryden spoke about. She said carbohydrates are key for females. Your metabolism speak up, speed up at certain stages of the month. And in order to put that more energy, which is a stressor on the body, you have to feed that. You have to feed the animal, feed the, 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 the body that you want to have. Potentially look at kind of breaking away from, say, intermittent fasting or that likes of side of stuff. Don't train fasted. Could be an option as well. Eat when you wake up. Having something small, having some peanut butter, uh, try to not do intermittent fasting. Try to have more regular meals throughout the 18 to 14 hours that you are awake. You may not be hungry all the time, but it's important to have something little and often in order to bring, to bring that. Forget the, the three square meals. Mm. Like I think it's breaking around that stigma of don't graze. Mm. So if your goal is to get the cycle back, it's it's everybody has a different cure and you have to look at what, this may not work for you this way and work from other people. But if you struggle with the eating side of things, you've come from a restrictive background, please go and talk to a doctor on that side of things. Try to get all the macronutrients, in particular carbs and fats. Get, get plenty of both. Your body oh, needs yeah. fat to manufacture hormones. It needs carbohydrates to feel good and well-fed as to produce thyroid hormone as well. You need to also focus on quantity, potentially over quality of the food sometimes. That doesn't mean pizzas, pizza, pizzas but they're okay in moderation as long as you're kind of feeling good about it. You need to focus on the quality of their food and care about less about the quantity in, in, in doses for some people. It's okay to have the desserts. It's okay to have the extra cookies. It's okay to have that. But if you're someone that has struggled with the exercise side of things, potentially exercising a little bit less, walking counts as exercise. But if you're doing endless and endless amounts of cardio, already scaling that back getting rid of the boxing classes getting rid of the hit sessions and kind of saying to yourself right i just need to bring this down to potentially if i've been training seven days a week one your body's not going to recover full stop anyway you're putting a massive stress on your body bringing that back down to three or four classes 
or two classes or just focusing on walking and working with someone that actually knows what they're doing. If you haven't got your cycle and someone has you on a diet, you need to say speak up. Um, the hardest part for a lot of people is nitpicking their weight. Stay jumping on the scales would not be beneficial around this time. You may not feel more, you may not feel comfortable with how your body is changing. You may not feel comfortable in how your body is looking. If you can look at it from a longer health perspective, if you haven't got your hormones, you could be putting damage to your body. You could be putting damage in your body at risk from when you're older to having osteoporosis, osteopenia, sarcopenia. Natalie Lennon spoke about it. Um, it's, it's, it's hard for when the scales has been part of the life for so long, it's hard to make that shift away. And if someone has to come from say being overweight to going down the opposite route and losing their cycle, will I be, they could be afraid of losing or kind of putting on all that weight again. You may not have to go up that much. It depends on what the metric was or how high that was. But you need to look at it and say that the relationship between you and the scales has to be completed. I wouldn't advise going to the scales. I wouldn't go near my fitness pal. Trying to log out what you're having. Trying to say, have your more regular meals. Um, everyone's different approach is completely different. The supplements could help. Managing the stress will definitely help. Having more regular food. Try to get away from an actual calorie target would be huge. More fats, yeah. more carbs. Um, and getting your full-on hormone screen would be my advice, making sure that you are getting decent care with where you're going. And if you're not happy with the answer that has been provided, potentially going to someone else. If someone has told you to put yourself in the pill, tell them the fuck off. And then if they say it again, do it again. And then just hit them with the massage gun. And then all the other wacky nonsense like ab belts and freaking things that, oh, detox teas. Yeah, there's a little oh, fuck off. Oh. Um, so yeah, the, the answer is it depends. Move away from counting calories where possible. If you have anxiety of moving away from counting calories, potentially break it down from seven days, one week, six days, the next week, five days, break it down that way. Aiming for re more regular meals, keeping a food log if you want to have. Uh, just keep consistent with your the regular meals that are coming in and bring back. I would also say in terms of if someone take up, we'll learn more about their stresses. So figure out what their stresses are um, and then attack that as a sense of lowering stress. If you know work is one of your stressors, how can you manage it? If you know family feud is another one, okay, how can we manage this? Is there something we can bring in place to manage that stress? It will be one of the easiest things you can look at because once you know that, you can then ensure that when everything does come back, it's not going to put you in a position to make sure it does come back in future. Because ultimately like stress is going to have a massive impact on body composition and body recovery anyway. So I think, oh, yeah. as you said there, it is important to identify what it is and not being afraid. I think the, I think a big part of it is having someone with you along the way, mm. either a coach or a doctor or a mental health professional or a relationship or a partner, whatever it may be, and having someone along that way yeah. And I know someone is going to be in a position where they may not have that or may not have the facility, but you do have the facility to go and talk to a mental health professional or a GP. There is healthcare out there that can be spoken to and got if you have, if you don't have the facility, particularly what's going on now. I think that's a huge element that needs to be brought in that 
don't go it alone. Mm. It is a it is a uh, a difficult time mentally and physically and emotionally, especially when the hormones come back. They will come back with a vengeance mm. and stuff that potentially hasn't been addressed. When the PMS potentially comes back, that will come back like a ton of, a ton of bricks. Um, and then you need to kind of have the cycle for a back properly for about three months. And then after that, that's when the limbo occurs for a lot of people. It's like, well, do I go back on a diet? Do I go back to training my body composition or whatever? What what could it, what could be the next goal? And I think it's potentially going back into having the regular eating patterns, having kind of like, well, setting, setting yourself a target of two or three sessions, going to weight sessions, kind of working with who you're working with and saying, right, be open with what you want to feel. Going back into restriction, going back into that side of stuff, I wouldn't encourage anyway. But going back into a dieting phase, I probably wouldn't encourage it until you're in a better headspace and have, have kind of had that element of kind of like the compassion side of things. And that's oh, the yeah. most that's the, that's the hardest part. And I think that's happened for then there's four girls that throughout their cycles back in the last three months. Uh, I think on average about 14 years having no cycles. But the hardest part for for all of them it has been how their body feels and it's kind of like well we just have to manage the next kind of few months in order for you to potentially feel the life that you want to live and how you want to feel in your body after that if we can get through those few months then if you're in the headspace we we can slowly slowly but it wouldn't be going back on an aggressive diet whatever it may be oh yeah um so is there anything else you want to add in that no i think like this bang on it, it, it's that maintenance period where it's going to change your life literally yeah. um i think that's going to be the thing that as you say it's it's going to be the most i personally like in my opinion it's maintenance is the hardest thing to do for anyone <laughs> it, male or female yeah it's purely for the fact that a dieting is a goal you see you see results pretty quickly in a sense going into a, a phase of accruing tissue you can see results same what simply decently you can see changes you can feel changes staying at a maintenance and working on all other aspects of your life is a hard thing to do because you first have to get used to where you're at and then you have to realize that the things you are working on are not going to actually be changing all aspects of your body it's just mental things so those hormones to get checked i have them so it's FSH and LH. This is usually done on kind of day three or any day if you have a, a have a very irregular cycle. There's testosterone, SHBG, TSH, T4 and T3, B12, ferritin, folate, prolactin, HBA1C if you have suspected PCOS. So they are the ones to get the full screen on. Um, I knew I had the picture on my phone. Um, so the next one is also to do with hormones, which seems to be the questions that kind of come in an awful lot. But I, there's an incredible book Lara was on and her book on perimenopause and life over 40 is hugely beneficial. Um, and I would go, if I was anyone, I would go and get the book. Uh, if you're under 40, I want to learn about your body. The period repair manual is very, very handy. And it's one of those books where it's kind of like you can open up on a page and you can quickly access the resource if it's to do with supplements. Yeah. But the question that kind of came in was how to deal with mood swings in perimenopause. So I think we need to understand what the perimenopause and the difference between perimenopause and menopause is. 
So generally menopause means no cycle for 12 months and perimenopause is the time leading up to it. Generally, the average age for menopause is about 51. I think that's in the UK, but mm-hmm. it can occur earlier. It can also be surgically induced and that's a different scenario altogether. Um, but most mood symptoms kind of occur in the perimenopause or transition phases. And this can lead up to like seven, eight years, 10 years for some people uh, before menopause can actually kind of come in. And it's generally a result of kind of low progesterone combined with higher fluctuating estrogen. Um, and then kind of fewer symptoms are associated with the, the more stable lower estrogen state for the few years of menopause. Um, they can begin few, uh, several years before uh, menopause. Um, but some factors may occur like the likes of B12 deficiency, chronic inflammation, uh, but it's important to kind of check in with your doctor in relation to all these elements as well. Some of the kind of the temporary kind of mood symptoms of perimenopause include the likes of say anxiety, irritability, rage, and they're basically a dialed up version of premenstrual syndrome or PMS. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have suffered PMS when you were younger, you are more likely to suffer with it now. Um, so there are potential few causes on PMS symptoms, uh, which are iodine deficiency. So I know we spoke about that on the thyroid episode a little bit. So go back to listen to that if you have a thyroid issue, high prolactin, histamine or mast cell activation or low progesterone or sensitivity to change in progesterone. So progesterone is your soothing hormone. So estrogen is your one that kind of gets you a little bit awake. And then your test, your estrogen one is the one that soothes you. So it's like your yin to your yang. They're kind, they're kind of, they're kind of opposites. So your first two weeks post-bleed, your estrogen rises up and then that kind of dips down after ovulation. And then your progesterone kind of comes back up. So I'm going to kind of go through those four things I spoke about with iodine deficiency by impairing estrogen metabolism and making set brain cells more sensitive to the ups and downs of estrogen, iodine deficiency can, can increase the risk of the PMS symptoms. But if you have thyroid issues, you have to be very careful with your iodine intake. Yeah. So please go talk to your doctor. High prolactin. Prolactin is a pituitary hormone that promotes lactation, but is also involved in ovulation, orgasm, breast health, immune function, and mood. A slight elevation in prolactin is common and can cause or worsen pre-PMS. A uh, very slight elevation is more serious problem, um, or, but you should kind of talk to your doctor in that case. And there's kind of a normally a prolactin range of a base of about 480 uh, IU per mm. milliliter, I think it is. Um, you can consider prolactin as a player in your mood symptoms. So you need to potentially look at the likes of Vitex. If you have mental health issues or on, on, on medication or pregnant or breastfeeding, don't take Vitex. Um, then we talk about histamine, cell, uh, cell activation. Uh, high estrogen can lead to mass activation at high, high histamine, which in turn can cause irritability, anxiety, headaches, fatigue, brain fog, insomnia, breast tenderness, uh, which are kind of, some people are like ticking that box when they're kind of going through those symptoms uh, and the high anxiety and other mood symptoms around time of ovulation when histamine is high um, breast pain uh, because histamine and mast cells are directly involved in it. Uh, the, one of the symptoms could be an appearance of reddish raised reddish uh, marks after stretching mm-hmm. on the skin uh, period can, uh, pain could be caused by histamine uh, or low progesterone. Yeah. Um, and I think then we talk about progesterone sensitivity. I think what most people don't realize is when someone is on the pill, it's not actually progesterone, it's progestin. Mm-hmm. 
So that's what I compare it again is to, it's kind of like comparing unleaded petrol to diesel. It's two very, very different things. Two, one's a synthetic hormone. One is an actual hormone that occurs in the body. And if we are on progestin, it's blocking the progesterone, which is your soothing hormone. And then once the hormones kind of go in and out of whack, that's not going to be beneficial to your overall health. So it's hugely important that the progesterone is, is looked at because mm-hmm. I think with people are going through perimenopause and menopause, they don't actually realize that the progesterone is the one that drops first. The, the kind of people think with estrogen or with the perimenopause that it's literally only your testosterone raises up or your estrogen drops. First phase is your progesterone drops. Then it's the kind of the, the fluctuations in your estrogen and then your estrogen drops and then kind of testosterone can rise up. And that's generally what happens. Um, so conventional treatments for your mood symptoms. Estrogen can be highly effective for depression of menopause, but if you are struggling or have had mental health issues, please do talk to someone. Estrogen is less likely to be helpful for perimenopause, but I've seen with some clients, um, some can see benefits of kind of estrogen therapy, therapy but it's sickly dosed estrogen, which is probably what, uh, particularly during the, I think it's the luteal phase. Mm. Um, and there is another, I think there's a lady called Peter, uh, I think there's a lady over in, uh, in New Zealand and she tends, she talks about a combination of Prometrium and uh, Estrodrots, Estrodrots, E-S-T-R-O-T-S. Uh, and then you take that in your luteal phase as well. Um, progesterone is a very helpful treatment for perimenopause. It can help with irritability, anxiety, and rage. It reduces, it kind of calms down the GABA receptors um, and reducing histamine. Common strategies to take it at bedtime uh, during the little phase, uh, but your doctor, which you have to check in with, may get you to take it every night. Please do remember there's no progesterone in hormonal birth control. It's actually progesterone. Uh, hormonal birth control can be offered and may be offered for perimenopausal symptoms, but unfortunately, progestins can cause mood, effect, mood effects. Mm. Um, uh, antihistamine um, can improve PMDD, um, but you have to check out with your mental health professional or your doctor for those. Uh, yeah. SSRIs or SNRIs, um, they're not as helpful as progesterone and estrogen for perimenopausal or menopausal symptoms. Uh, they could cause kind of like weight gain or low libido, uh, fatigue, all that kind of stuff. CBT is huge. This mm-hmm. is one that isn't spoken about enough. Uh, so cognitive behavioral therapy uh-huh. is a form of physical psychotherapy that focuses on monitoring negative behaviors and situations and patterns in your mind. And if you're struggling with that aspect, CBT could be huge. And there's a many lazy down in Wexford, I think she is. Um, so um, I think it's like CBT psychologist or something on Instagram. She's phenomenal at it. Uh, what can you do through non-medication stuff and getting some daylight? Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I knew Dallas is going <laughs> like that one. Getting some, getting some exercise, getting some sleep, managing your stress, that unsexy stuff that we kind of constantly talk about. There are some kind of herbal remedies we should kind of talk about as well. Kind of weight train as well, by the way. Weight training, it's important that you don't lose your, um, your, your metabolism can slow down uh, going into perimenopause and menopause. So if you were, say, potentially eating, say, 2,000 calories a day when you were like 21, you won't, may not be able to eat that much and not gain weight in relation to, uh, to kind of having a daily basis. So it's be a little bit more mindful. It still doesn't mean restrict. Um, but 
some of the supplements that can be brought in to the ten main two mainstays are magnesium, glycinate, and the likes of taurine. And I know Dallas is a big fan of taurine. Uh, with magnesium glycinate, 300 milligrams. And then with taurine, you take three grams. There are some other ones and stuff, but the two main ones, uh, the other two, the other ones are like zinc and B6 and iodine, Vitex, St. John's Wort. But yeah. the main ones would be kind of um, the main two to focus on together at the beginning, which kind of the two mainstays would be the types of the taurine and the magnesium. Um, but estrogen plus progesterone therapy has kind of would be the recommendation for, for a lot of people, but you need to go and talk to your doctor. Yeah. I would also say for in terms of antihistamines for anyone who does like end up taking them, be cautious because it does upregulate appetite. So that no, yeah, thing. exactly. Yeah. I think people often like, Oh, look, I've been stung by a bee. I'm going to take antihistamine next minute. Oh, look, I'm eating so much. And we're like, yep, it is a, it's an aspect of how it actually interchanges with the, um, ghrelin in a sense but it also how it actually works in raising appetites interesting and then taurine beautiful full in terms of like cellular regeneration as well as in terms of in terms of movement of cells and all the other things the only thing i would definitely say is some people there are have like a polymorphism in the sense and as in like certain gene has changed where a high dose of taurine can see quite a lot of red flushes. They can see a little bit of like it in their eyes. So you can see it looks like you've had a hangover. That's for a very small, small set of people where they're very uh, hypervigilant or should I say hypersensitive technically to taurine. But most people don't. But it's always it's always nice noting. Oh, there's always this caveat to everything that's kind of oh, yeah. out there. But I think the biggest... I think the biggest thing for these style of episodes, like, please, please, please go and talk to a mental health professional. Please go and talk to doctors. Like we're nutritionists, we're PTs, uh, we're coaches. And I think we'll always say in our lane, um, we'll always say in our lane that this isn't gospel. This is from what we have noticed from research and from what research is out there. Now, this could change in six months. This could change in a year. This could, and research is always, there's no definitives in what we do. There's no definitives in what, like, that's why we always say it depends. But from the research at the minute, that would be those, that kind of, that's kind of the metrics. And that's kind of like the, the, the things that are happening at the minute on that side of things. So we link in with the doc. Um, there's different therapies, there's different hormone things, but just be mindful of the progesterone and progestin um thing with the pill especially if you're coming off yep. it with the ha get your full screen as have a listen back to what those those things are in relation to uh, those advice to lose weight i think it's important for to kind of run your own race be prepared like understand yourself emotionally that it didn't take you a week or two weeks or three weeks to lose all the weight it's not going to happen um overnight do you need two and a half thousand calories to for HA to recovery? It depends on the person. I would move away from calorie counting personally. Um, how to deal with friends, uh, all that kind of stuff is kind of asking what do you want to do with your life? Because if you're on your deathbed and you're kind of regretting what you have done or living by other what people have wanted to say and wanted to do, and you haven't stepped up for it and you've lived that life, you owe it to yourself to give it a shot. And if if it's not for you and you don't give it a shot, well then you know. Or if you do give it a shot and then it's not for you, well, then you know. Um, so I think that's everything, I think. Yeah. Um, 
if guys as always please keep leaving reviews up on itunes keep please keep sharing it uh up on your stories it would be amazing if you could keep sharing it um and pure vanity metrics get it up in the charts they seem to be hitting home for a lot of people which is fantastic um so if you want topics covered dm us and we will do it clients are messaging us with stuff as well which is great uh, about the topics and we will continue to do them as long as you enjoy them so dallas thank you for it's always a pleasure and i'm sure we'll have more rants oh i love rants <laughs> love rants uh but thank you so much guys for listening <laughs>